Welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Welcome to today's FEPS Talks. Building on the past week's COVID-19 experience, this podcast will take a closer look at female leadership and its main challenges in relation to gender equality. As the leading progressive think tank, FEPS, the Foundation for European Progressive Studies, strongly believes that a fair and socially just Europe cannot be achieved without gender equality. And that goes together with parity democracy, of course. That is why we place women's rights issues at the center of our work. My name is Leticia Thyssen, FEPS Gender Equality Policy Advisor, and I have the immense pleasure to be joined here today by Lina Galvez-Monios, Member of the European Parliament, part of the SND delegation, a representative of Spain. Together, we will explore in more details how the coronavirus outbreak highlighted the crucial role of women in leadership position, whilst also discussing progressive answers to ensure a gender-sensitive response to the current crisis. A very warm welcome to our podcast, dear Lina. Hello. Well, to begin with, and as we know that the past weeks have been quite peculiar for all of us, may I just ask you one question, and that is, how did you spend the COVID-19 lockdown, uh, and how did it change your own daily life as a female decision maker uh, yourself, that is, as a member of the European Parliament? Well, to be honest, it changed quite a lot, uh, because in the last year, I've been traveling every single week, just running all over Europe every single week. And uh, for a few months, I was not uh, even traveling, but I was not even going out of my place because um, I spent uh, the lockdown in Spain, in Seville, in my hometown. At home, um, and for us, it has been very radical, so we couldn't get out just for shopping uh, at the supermarket in a very, very limited way. So physically, just physically has been a, a huge change. I was with uh, a nine years old daughter at home. It was also her father. So, but we, we were both working and uh, we were doing our best to be able to cope with uh, both the uh, working or our labor, let's say, responsibilities that have been a lot in the parliament, uh, and also trying to, to help her with uh, the school and to, to make her life uh, easier. Um, so I have reflected very much about many things regarding the coronavirus crisis. I have written quite a lot as well in the news, in, in the media in Spain, but um, also um, more personal issues. And um, I, I've, I've done it with her, obviously, with a feminist and feminine view, both. And um, one thing that I think that has made me think in a different way has been all regarding teleworking, um, because we thought teleworking was um, a good, and it is still a good way to, to, to make a balance with between family, a working life and personal life. But uh, afterwards has happened during the, the confinement, the lockdown, uh, probably I have discovered this dark side of uh, teleworking for, for gender equality. And I'm since then really thinking and studying and try to see how will be the best way also to, to regulate and to make that the, if we go in this direction, it will not be against uh, women's rights and against gender equality. So I think here we, we can probably all agree that in one way or another, the COVID-19 pandemic has clearly had an impact on everyone's life. Uh, and also pushed us in a way to rethink uh, many aspects uh, of our of our daily lives that we thought 
could be taken for granted. Going a bit further into, into the topic of uh, female leadership and applying a female a feminist analysis uh, of the ongoing uh, COVID-19 pandemic uh, with its related counter countermeasures, it, it, uh, it becomes very clear that uh, although women are in numeric minority, female leaders have clearly outperformed uh, their male counterparts in limiting the COVID-19 cases or even losses. And in that sense, would you agree that women-led countries were more successful at curbing the, the pandemic, as has been argued by many articles and voices lately, and in your view, what, what can explain such different outcomes between women and men-led countries? Well, I'm not so enthusiastic about that. I'll explain why. I truly believe uh, women, we lead in a different way and we could lead, especially we could lead in a different way if we are allowed to or we have uh, enough women or if we are surrounded of enough women. I explain myself. There are many studies that show that when women arrive, we have studies from the 1980s and even before that when women arrived to leadership position, both in politics, but especially in business, because it was earlier in, in business, they arrived alone without more women around. It is not only that they don't behave differently than men, but they even behave in a more male way than men, because we have to, to show that we could lead and, and, and leadership still in our culture, in all cultures, is still an authority, is still a male uh, attribute. So we have to show that we could do it even better than then, but uh, playing their, their rules. Uh, a different thing is when um, there are enough women that and it, women are not alone, and they are able to change structures, they are able to change politics, they are able to change even the everyday life of um, the, a minister or a, or even a, a presidency or whatever, just uh, an example. When I was regional minister two, two years ago, I, I started to change uh, time use of the building. Uh, we were, even the, the the, the, the time it was closed, it, it, it normally was closed after midnight. And I was asking why. <laughs> and it was because some men just stay there to work until that time. I said, well, that's no sense because we are paying a lot of money for security or loss of energy and all these sort of things. And uh, it was difficult because it was a, a sector that was very male-dominated. Even if, uh, for me, it was clear what I wanted to do, there was a lot of barriers to advance uh, on that because structures are still male-dominated. So, mm, yes, I think there are a few uh, of our uh, political leaders that are female, that are progressive, because that is important as well. Because it's not only a question of being women, but also of, of, of doing a progressive uh, polity that are uh, coping or have, have uh, coped much better with the crisis than other male colleagues or male leaders, especially the, the macho ones, the ones that uh, were even using our words and uh, vocabulary just uh, in, in order to say all the things. So, um, yes, we can't do it. We are doing it. I mean, there are this Hacinda Arden probably is the best uh, example of all of them. But we have to have in mind that for many time, because the, when women arrived to power position was in an isolated 
way. Many women have behaved in a male way even more than male just because it was the only way to assure that we to show that we could be in this way. I don't know, I'm thinking of Golda Meir or Margaret Thatcher, just to put a couple of, uh, of examples of the past uh, female leadership. But yes, now it's different because um, there are more women in parliaments, there are more women in, in governments, in ministry, and that allowed different leaderships, um, female leaderships. And we have to, to, to have in mind that if this crisis is about something, is about care, and it's on care where we have been socialized, it's on care where we have specific view, because we have been socialized, and it is because we have done our, all our life, and we have continued to do even after we have entered a labor market and started to do sort of consider male uh, places or male jobs, but we have still took care of uh, our people. And this expertise and this socialization, it is now empower and uh, it should be even more empowered in order to change things. Um, perhaps jumping on this, uh, on this idea that uh, many studies uh, prove that uh, women uh, in leadership position tended to take uh, male attributes, um, in, in the recent weeks, we also see that uh, there has been a significant r rise of uh, female leaders who are, in fact, breaking uh, the codes of traditional leaderships. Uh, and they are very much in contrast with the, let's say, rather martial type uh, of, uh, of language used by leaders like, uh, like Macron, like Boris Johnson or Donald Trump, who are who have been uh, uh, quite uh, quite also sometimes criticized for for using a, a, a language of uh, of war, and instead uh, we see we see leaders like uh, Jacinta Ardern who has used empathy and solidarity as a major vector, uh, fueling uh, a strong uh, spirit of altruism uh, with the nation, trying also to reassure the people and to show them that uh, that. As a leader, she stands with them. Uh, we have also the example of Icelandic Prime Minister who brought back to the table the topic of well-being and inclusive growth as uh, a response to the crisis. Uh, and also even simply uh, leaders like uh, Sana Marin who, uh, who took the time uh, to organize uh, press con or conferences uh, with, uh, with children to, uh, to answer uh, their questions questions and their response, uh, taking them as, uh, as, uh, as normal citizens and showing also their, their openness and capacity to communicate to everyone effectively. So in that sense, would you also agree that women uh, might be the, the secret weapon to, uh, to more progressive politics uh, and perhaps offering a, a rejuvenating a cure to social democratic movements across Europe? Of course, I, I completely agree, but also male feminist. Um, the problem is that uh, for them probably it's, it's more difficult to be, but now that you were telling, for instance, the Thailand prime minister um, meeting children in the, the, in the Spanish uh, Congress, it has been also such a meeting. It was not the president, but it was uh, promoted by a socialist party in the, in the Congress. They have been meeting children in order to, to listen their own uh, uh, views, uh, I. I think it's, it's a great uh, initiative. I have uh, done a research. I have a book on well-being, precisely mm -hmm. having in mind children's own views and not just children as future persons, but just as persons as they are now. Um, I think, yes, yes, yes. We women, we could 
be that um, this uh, being a rescue of uh, a society that is becoming more and more individualistic, uh, a society that is dehumanizing many aspects of life is uh, market driven and we are not like this as human beings and uh, and i think we, we are the answer but if we look at uh, the um list of experts that different government has um, asked all over the world to think about the post-covid world we will discover very sadly that again is mainly male who are doing that and or even on on climate change or to fight against climate change we'll find a lot of men when we know there are studies like uh, for instance Bina Agarwal uh, an Indian Cambridge uh, economics professor that did a really good uh, research a few years ago on on communal forest in India and the management of this communal forest to 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 end with the, the conclusion that when uh, women were presented uh, represented sorry uh, on at least thirty percent on this communal or common management of the forest the management was a long term one it was much more sustainable than in the forest that there were only male or mainly male dealing with management and it is because uh, we have this this long-term view it's not because we do have it naturally it's because the way we we have been socialized and it's the, it, it is nothing against we socialized also male voice uh, on that and male colleagues on that so so more sustainable a long-term view just thinking also in next generations, because it's, it's, it's about that as well. Um, because the, the values related to care and uh, our different socialization and also our different um, uh, placing in, in, in society, we end up thinking in this more sort of long-term sustainable way, which is so important and not in such an individualistic and uh, market-driving uh, way. Mm -hmm. Well, in, in fact, since uh, since you you mentioned the the issue of um, of uh, uh, having a more long-term and sustainable approach, um, perhaps there is an interesting link that could be made here in the sense that what the current uh, uh, reaction uh, from uh, from female leaders in the COVID uh, crisis shows is that uh, women showed a greater concern for human lives that took priority over concerns for the economy, as opposed to some male leaders. Uh, at least that is uh, some, uh, something that was suggested by, uh, by research. Uh, and in that sense, there is an interesting parallel to be made related to, uh, to women's tendency to have a higher willingness to take bold decisions uh, when it comes to the environmental cause. Uh, as was the case for the current pandemic, climate change uh, is bearing a disproportionate impact on women. Uh, and at the same time, studies reveal that countries with more female politicians pass more ambitious climate change policies. And in, in, in that sense, for instance, we have seen that uh, the Danish uh, uh, Prime Minister, Mette Frederiksen, highlighted that we, we must ensure that women are represented in all COVID-19 decision-making uh, in our recovery, uh, but that this recovery needs to be inclusive and sustainable. 
uh, and she stresses very much the fact that the sustainable development goals must be used uh, as our compass, uh, so, so to say. So mm-hmm. really acknowledging uh, the, the emergency of taking those several realities um, into account uh, when, uh, when offering solutions. So would, it, would, you, would you agree that in that sense, women leaders simply have a more visionary, perhaps less short-sighted approach to politics emboldening them uh, to take sometimes unpopular but decisive measures for our future generations? Uh, for sure. I completely agree if, again, they are not alone, alone in power and if they are taking also progressive view uh, views in in politics, um, so uh, otherwise they will behave in a in a in a in a male way. Probably not not on all, um, but in many issues, or they will not be allowed to do differently. And uh, and we could find also some male leaders that are surrounded by by women, and that uh, at the end they they will behave in a more feminist way. So, but yes, I think I I, I agree with just this um, this idea, but uh, um, especially because I I I think we have to change the narrative, and we have probably to change a couple of things. But one thing we have to change is the narrative, the idea that there is a trade off between human lives and the economy, the idea that it, there is a trade-off between um, 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 more sustainable policies to, 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 to save our planet and the economy. What we have to do is to change the economy. is the, the core issue we have absolutely to do. Um, um, I've been all my life a feminist economist. I believe I still am, uh, even if I'm now in Parliament. Um, and of course, what we, we, we say is, yes, we have to implement a lot of quality policies wherever, but we have to change the, the how uh, economic policies and the narrative of economics and the narrative of economics uh, should place people at the center, should play lives at the center, should play well-being at the center. So, so why was it so important that uh, both in Iceland and in New Zealand they were doing different um, indicators other than GDP because GDP growth it it doesn't mean anything about justice or well-being if a forest is on fire and then you have to to hire a lot of people to take off the the ashes that will increment our GDP but we have destroyed a forest. So the GDP could be growing, but in a proper way, and it has been doing so in the last uh, decades, that all the growth is concentrated in just a, a small percentage of people. So we have to look for different indicators. Let me here make a, a, a data advocacy issue. We have to advance some feminist statistics, and we really need to look for alternative indicators. There are a lot of uh, work done in that respect, both uh, taking into consideration environment as well as taking into consideration unpaid work and other issues. So we really need to move uh, toward this new narrative, these new indicators, um, in order to measure success and economic success in a different way. When we are there, we will see that probably the best way also for our economy if we look at the economy in a different way, it's also to, 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 to have very progressive environmental policies and to have uh, uh, policies centered on, on social justice and um, 
and the well-being of people. And, and we will have also healthier economic um, um, systems that are not getting into crisis one, one after another. It is happening now with a lot of people suffering and always the same people. So yes, we need uh, female progressive leaders to, to, to show that, uh, to have the power to change things. You know? So this, this, this way to, to measure economic success in a different way or to, to reduce uh, working days, as in Darden has done also in, in New Zealand, is the good way to follow. Perhaps also picking up on, uh, on your call for, for a new type of narrative accompanied with a new indicator and a, and a complete, in a way, uh, economic shift, Uh, we could we could touch upon this uh, seven pan-European campaign that you have co-initiated uh, and mm-hmm. entitled uh, Women's Europe Voices in Times of COVID, uh, which, by the way, I, I highly encourage uh, our listeners to uh, to look into. And uh, in this campaign, you you namely make a strong call along with the other feminist leader on public decision decision makers to be- rebuild Europe on a new basis uh, with a truly feminist agenda, so to say. And at yet, uh, I mean. Right now, as uh, just uh, a few days after after the, the EU budget uh, and the recovery plan uh, has been uh, discussed uh, by our uh, European leaders in the Council, and then made the object of uh, of quite uh, intense uh, discussions in the European <laughs> plenary discuss- plenary sessions, whereby you took part. Uh, we also we also see that there has been a lot of criticism about the risk um, that the the cuts uh, that uh, that are uh, going to, to happen will be affecting women directly. So what are the main claims at the core of uh, the calls made by, by the Women's Europe initiatives? Uh, and how can the European Union, in fact, uh, build back better? Well, there are a lot of questions in just one question. I'm very important, all of them. Um, well, this campaign is... Um, It was uh, something uh, uh, we organized uh, very, very quickly with uh, Agnès Hubert, Mm-hmm. And Rodrigo Marin, we we both met um, during our PhD. Ruth and I at uh, the European University Institute in Florence in the, back in the 1990s. So we have been uh, working in those issues for quite a long time in in different ways. So we were talking about we should do something because we realized how these uh, voices again once more because the authority uh, society in a patriarchal society is given to men that we really need to 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 highlight um, f- female voices and uh, female answers to to that crisis so what we tried to do we we invited even more people than the the people that finally were there in fact uh, we we were not very happy with um, the um, some of the diversity this uh, video represented because, for instance, ethnic minorities were not very well represented, but we didn't manage to, to, to have all the people we, we wanted because it was very, very fast, uh, uh, fastly done. Uh, but we really wanted to, to make clear that things could be done in a different way and that we could think also in a different way and that there are many people thinking from a variety of places and even um, political principles because we invited uh, people from the other uh, political groups. Uh, it was, uh, for instance, Francis Fitzgerald uh, uh, from the EPP that was there. We invited also for other 
political groups and some said yes, others not. Obviously, in a range of people that truly believe on, on, uh, on, on advances in gender equality, of course, we didn't uh, invite a representative, a female representative or male representative from uh, political groups that are against women and against uh, uh, feminist policies. As, as you know, they are in the in the parliament, the stream right, and all these uh, mm, uh, these male macho leaders that are really uh, anti-feminist, as Orban, uh, Bolsonaro, or Trump. Uh, so we we have to have in mind that there is also this backlash, and is it was something we wanted to avoid. Having said that, the European Parliament we are also working hard in order to have this. Um, this feminist um, and this gender equality issues to be taken into consideration. In fact, in the three resolutions we have uh, um, backed uh, during the pandemic, gender equality is present. And this is important. I know it could be only literature and it is not yet present in the budget because we are far away from having um, a mainstreaming, a gender mainstreaming policy, far away from having a, a gender budget, in part because we don't have the data and probably because we don't have the, the, the political uh, power in order to do that. But we don't have the data. We will need a much better data for that. And we are far far away from that. Um, I know this, this uh, campaign now that we want um, a half of, of it, but probably we will need more than half of it in many um, issues. And maybe um, men need more than half of it in other issues. Uh, let's say, for instance, education. There is now uh, 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 girls perform much better than boys on, on at a school, and they uh, live uh, or, or they, they continue much more at a school than, than than boys. So probably there we need to to reinforce boys. So. Um, what we need to, to look at every single policy, at every single budget, is to, to do it uh, with these gender lenses, with this uh, feminist view, in order how we will, how, what we could do in order to advance on women's rights, on, women, on, on autonomy and on gender equality, and, and to do it. So we are far away from that. Um, we are far away if our um, economic policy uh, keep being um, a neoliberal driving economic policy. What has been important about this last um, agreement that uh, it was um, voted in the 23rd uh, at, the, at the parliament is the agreement of the EUCO is that um, for the first time we have this common debt uh, for the first time, uh, we are investing and not only lending to, to countries that have suffered more for a crisis. Um, and these are steps that goes in a different direction than the austerity imposed in the previous crisis. And this is very important for, for gender equality, much more than we could even think. But um, still, we we need to review the role of the, the um, uh, European Central Bank. We need to review the indicators that are included in the European semester. We really need to to uh, to again to change this economic narrative.
uh, in order to look for uh, alternative measures other than GDP, because if growth is the only goal, that is not good for us, because um, there will be always this deflationary bias in all the economic policy, and at the end that will go that will go against um, uh, public services, social services, and women. We have to always to have in mind that we are much more dependent on those services because we are the, the biggest proportion of employees. Uh, we are in bigger proportion, we are the users of those social uh, and public services, both directly or indirectly for other members of the family. And we are sort of a kind of natural substitute and natural just is in a, in a, not in a literal way, because if um, school uh, restaurants, school uh, menses, school lunch uh, places are closed or not subsidized, children still have, ha- have to eat. And uh, so it's, it will be someone that will do that. And that will be women. Or if uh, old people cannot go to to care houses uh, or institutions, it will be someone to take care of those people. And normally that will be women. So that impact very much on women, uh, time availability, autonomy, and uh, and income in general. So we have to run away uh, from from this uh, neoclassical um, economic framework and even if the last steps have been have been important in that direction we still uh, we still have a big road to to do in order to, to 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 find not to find to apply because we know it already a different narrative and uh, to measure economic success in a different uh, way. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very insistent on this e- economic policy issue, but it's a kind of the framework that would allow us or not to do different policies in other places and to, 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 to be able to advance on this different female leadership or the feminist leadership uh, that is taken mainly for female, but could we also apply um, by, by some male too. So, so if I understand you correctly, Europe is making small but significant steps towards becoming a, a Europe for women as well. Uh, and uh, that Europe also needs to value care, well-being uh, and uh, cherishing an economy for, for everyone uh, and not letting uh, people, uh, people behind. Well, yes and not. I'm uh, just to make um, a, a very small thing because I, I think, for instance, equality policies in Europe in the last uh, decade has been mainly employability policies mm-hmm. in order to allow women to get into the labor market, but without having in mind that we were getting into the labor market uh, in a, a segregated, differentiated way than men, because we were entering the labor market with a care burden or the care work as well. So we were entering in a different way. And because we were entering in a different way, we were treated in a different way. And we uh, behave in a different way and we promoted in a different way. And, uh, and so we, we concentrate just all our policies, our efforts just in the public side, on the labor market side. 
are not dealing with the uh, changes in policies and institutions that allowed also more balanced share of uh, care and work and responsibility, so probably we will not advance. And for that, uh, we really need to have good social services. We need to have strong public services or even uh, publicly regulated uh, in order to that people that work on those services, uh, we make sure is done with uh, decent working conditions. But we really need to move toward that. And in order to have a good public services, we need uh, a task justice. We we need another fiscal uh, another fiscality, and we also need to measure success in a different way. Um, unless that, uh, we will be cutting more and more and more and more the, our welfare state, our social services, our policy services. Um, this goes uh, that goes against uh, women, and we have to to also to have in mind that uh, even the, the, the labor markets are very much segregated. That we enter in the labor market in a very different way, and. Uh, that we really need to have that in mind. For instance, all the recovery plan um, money is mainly uh, concentrated on green and the green deal and digitalization. Great, that's the right way to do. But that will create mainly male jobs, and we have to shout that very, very high, very loud. Otherwise, we could end up with a greater uh, uh, disparity, uh, gender disparity in the labor market because renewable energies employ mainly men, uh, uh, electric cars, uh, well, uh, car industry, automobile industries is mainly a male uh, uh, industry. And what about digital? Digital is, is, is mainly male dri- driven, not only. And so we have to, to the, the, we need a third transition to be put at the same level than the green transition and the digital transition and is uh, the transition towards a new social organization of care. Unless we do that, and we are not doing that now in Europe, um, we could make some advances, but it will not be enough. So certainly something to uh, to be kept in mind for the for the months uh, for the months to come. Uh, this uh, this is a very very strong call. For for K deal uh, for Europe, uh, creating a place uh, that is both designed uh, for for men and uh, and women alike, uh, and this is surely the, the only way for, for for Europe to become more sustainable and uh, resilient in the long term. I, I still I still have a quite long list of uh, of questions. But <laughs> time is also running, uh, so so perhaps to to conclude uh, this uh, this podcast uh, and uh, as the summer is already in full swing. Uh, perhaps I would like to ask you very shortly uh, what would be your your personal feminist reading recommendation to accompany our our listeners' holidays or simply a staycation uh, at home, uh, and uh, and perhaps if you can tell us uh, why uh, that is uh, your 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 preference. Well, um, what I'm to read. Uh I have um, a book I have already started by a Spanish author I like very much, which is Almudena Grandes. It's not only recovering the Spanish uh, memory of the uh, dictatorship, but uh, also uh, doing from a, from a uh, female perspective. Um, also, Margaret O'Farrell, that I like very much, is a Scottish uh, writer. It's, it's, I, w- I will recommend always uh, to, to go to the classics, 
to 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 reread um, Virginia Woolf that I just uh, mm-hmm. found at each time I read her uh, so modern, mm-hmm. uh, so good. And um, but also in um, uh, the visual world, I think it's is 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 interesting to to see the the, the TV series uh, that at the BBC uh, HBO that um, a young British uh, woman, Michaela Cole, has just uh, released. There's, that is called I May Destroy Your Series. <laughs> and it's very, very, I mean, I just started. Eh? And uh, it is, wow, it's fascinating, really. And it's a very young woman. Everything started because she realized that she has been raped because someone put uh, a drug in, in, in her drink. And that started. And uh, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a very fresh a cruel view, and uh, I think we, we really need, because we really need to change the narrative. I was talking before uh, about economics, but we really need to change the neoliberal uh, narrative uh, that is making us more and more individualistic. Well, thank you very much uh, for these uh, very useful uh, and interesting uh, uh, recommendations that I'm sure many of us uh, are already keen on uh, looking up or perhaps rereading uh, in the case of uh, of your your classical uh, uh, book suggestions. Uh, but most of all, uh, let me also thank you for for offering us uh, your your insights uh, in today's uh, podcast uh, about uh, women's uh, and vital contribution to making our societies more resilient uh, and more generally speaking, uh, your your call for for more feminist uh, type of uh, type of leadership, uh, we'll certainly continue the debate in the weeks and months uh, to come for a healthier, safer, more resilient, resilient Europe, uh, where gender-sensitive response uh, is central to uh, to ensuring uh, effective and fair policies. Thank you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag. Talks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned.